Well, I'm delighted that Dave and the team have asked me, briefed me to open this great series better, better together, looking at the one another's of the New Testament. It's an exciting series. Don't miss uh, any of it as it unfolds in the coming weeks. And we're going to turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture in John 13, John 13, verse 33. We're thinking this weekend about loving one another, love one another, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus speaking here. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer, and as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Uh, Over the last few weeks, um, there's been one word that has been frequently used in almost every conversation across Britain. And it is a word that you might guess. It is the word weather. British people have been talking about it uh, endlessly because of the heat wave. It has been said, it's not a biblical statement, just a truism, it's been said that God invented the weather to give British people something to talk about. And I think that's fairly true. It's a word that I have heard so many times, the weather, the weather, the weather. There's one word that is very frequently used in the New Testament. In the Greek, it is the word aleloan. Aleloan. It is one Greek word that is translated into two English words. The word aleloan, one word, is translated to two words, one another. One another. And this word aleloan, it's used a hundred times in 94 New Testament verses. 59 of which, 59 of which are specific commands to us as the community of God about how we should treat one another and in some cases how we should not treat one another. Just overviewing those 59 occasions, the most frequent user of the word aleloan is the Apostle Paul. 60% of the usage is attributed to him. But Jesus and Peter and John and James all use the word as well. As we begin this great series, Better Together, and look at the one another's, at least some of them, what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is we are digging into a rich treasure trove about how we can be the community of God. Just a further brief overview, one-third of the one-anothers of the 59 deal with the subject of unity. It's the most common category. And that perhaps shouldn't surprise us because unity is so vital and important in the local church. So a third are about unity. Another third are about loving one another and the unfolding of what that actually means. One-sixth of the one-anothers are about humility. You've got to have love, you've got to have humility if you're going to have unity. And then there are 
are assorted other one another's, including four about kissing. I didn't make that up. I didn't just throw that in to make sure that you were still awake. Uh, there are four one another's about greeting one another with a holy kiss, but it's cultural, so don't try it on, baby. <laughs> These one another's show us the importance of the church. Kay and I live in uh, Colorado uh, now. We live 4,782 feet up in the air. One mile. The air is thin, and if you look out of our window, just right there is Long's Peak. It's 14,000 feet high. It's a majestic mountain. I can see the look in your eyes, some of you. You're hating me right now. Sometimes in Colorado, I hear people saying, I don't, I don't need the church. I don't need to sing the songs and pray the prayers. My church is the mountain. And I want to say, you're talking tosh. Because you see, the idea of an isolated mountain-based, it's just me and God and nature Christianity, is a theological, sociological aberration. The one another's of the New Testament speak to us so much about the vitality, the vital nature of the church. We are better together, not just because it's a nice idea, but because we are intrinsically called together. This is the purpose of God. And we're also better together because together we can make an impact on the world. In his magnificent book, Vanishing Grace, Philip Yancey attended a church where they did exactly what we are doing. They worked their way through the one another's of the New Testament. And Yancey said this. He said, put together the one another's, and these show what a true community would look like. And then he asked this question. He says, I wonder how different the church would look to a watching world, not to mention how different history would look if Christians everywhere followed that model. One another. But I want to pause before we dive in any further in this four-hour sermon. <laughs> you see, this all starts not just with an exhortation for us to love one another, but it starts with a revelation of the love of God for us. At the beginning of John 13, in the New International Version, 1984 translation, for those who are interested and need to get out more, it says, having showed them the full extent of his love, Jesus didn't just model this love for his disciples, but they experienced that love and flowing out of that experience, so they are called to love. I know that this Messages being watched online and in different Kingsgate campuses. Before this gathering here today, we prayed. And sometimes I fear those pre-service prayer meetings. I fear them because people gather around me and they massage my shoulders and they spit in my ear. And, and I was feeling fairly relaxed and they say things like, Oh God, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. No pressure on Jeff, Lord. <laughs> and during that rather lovely prayer time, Zoe shared how in this gathering she felt that there needed to be just such a revelation of the love of God 
before we even talk about loving one another, we need to have that understanding. In this gathering, uh, I was fairly wrecked earlier and was wondering about how to get up here and do this. Because I had a picture of myself when I was younger during one of the worship songs. I grew up in a, in a good home, but with post-war parents. My dad, a prisoner of war, I've talked about him frequently at Kingsgate for four years. Good, loving parents who didn't really have great models of parenting. And a fairly isolated childhood. And I was pretty messed up. And sometimes I would do weird things to get attention. Some of you are looking at me going, things haven't changed greatly. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but on a number of occasions, I would go into my bedroom, climb out of the second floor bedroom window, and just dangle from the window, from the ledge. And Mrs. West, who lived next door, would be pushing the, wa put the washing out, and she'd see me hanging out the window. And it became a usual thing. She said, morning, Jeffrey. You okay? I'd say, I'm fine, Mrs. West. Thank you very much. It was like, this is normal behavior. What was I doing? Well, I was taking some risk, and I was trying to get some attention. Earlier in this service, I had a picture of me hanging out of that window. And I felt like God said to me, I saw you then. And I love you. And I need to pause and say to some here who've had episodes of deep hurt, and you're saying, even if not, you're not verbalizing it, sometimes your heart says, where were you? And God says, I saw you. And I love you. And that doesn't answer all the questions or make it all neat or tidy or bring immediate resolution but someone somewhere just needs to know God whispering I see you I love you for it is flowing out of that having loved his own who were in the world he now showed them the full extent of his love. And the Christian community in which I found myself as a bewildered 17-year-old welcomed into the one another crowd. That was so much a part of the healing that has gone on in my soul. So what do we what do we see from this as we dive on further? Well, first of all, if you're following in the outline, if you're following the outline, love one another, the sign of authentic obedience and faith. Love one another, the sign of authentic obedience and faith. Your love for one another, Jesus says, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This word love, it's, it's a confusing word, isn't it? What, what does it actually mean? Sometimes I, I meet people and, and they barely know my name. And, and as we say goodbye, they say, love you. And I'm like, what? You don't even know my name. You, you don't know the first thing about me. What does that mean? And then, and, and, and forgive me because I've never seen it and I have no desire to see it. But, but I understand that Britain is tragically preoccupied with something called Love Island at the moment. I read a report about that program. Forgive me for 
perhaps trying to evaluate when I've not seen it. But from all that I'm reading, it sounds like love has got nothing to do with it. It's about the commodification of bodies. Or the, the old Ali McGraw movie, Love Story. Do you remember that? I cried at the end of that. I was the only person in the cinema crying. The old ladies thought I was really sad. Love means never having to say you're sorry. What a stupid statement. There's all kinds of bad ideas about love. Love just means being nice. Love means being nice to those we like. Leon Morris, in his great book, The Testament of Love, he says, for many of us, love has become a refined selfishness, a warm affection for those we approve of, coupled with a hearty dislike of those we disapprove. True love is not simple and soothing like a lullaby. It's demanding. The reckless self-giving so wonderfully shown at Calvary demonstrates it. And then there are other people who think that love means being neutral. Never ever saying that's wrong. Judge not that you be not judged. A biblical quotation that is perhaps the text most taken out of context in our culture today. If we really love, we'll speak the truth lovingly. Love one another. It means listening, caring, sacrificing, serving, forgiving, praying, giving, kindness, empathy. And notice that Jesus says it's a new commandment. A new commandment. The word new there can also mean unusual or unexpected. Uh, Jesus is talking about lots of new things. A new covenant, new sacrifice, new kingdom in this passage of, of Scripture. How is it new? Under the Mosaic law, God's people were commanded to love their neighbors as themselves in Leviticus 19. But sadly, that had been distilled down to an insular thing where you just love your own people, your own friends, your own neighbors. They were ignoring the tenor of Scripture. Jonathan Sachs, the previous chief rabbi of Great Britain, says that in the Hebrew Old Testament, there is one commandment to love your neighbor and 36 commands to love the stranger. But in Jesus' time, they'd got to a place of ignoring that and even sanctifying hatred for non-Jews. That's why the parable of the Good Samaritan was so utterly explosive and radical. And so Jesus is saying, no, I've got a new commandment for you. And it's not just new because it's for everyone, particularly the people of God, but for the wider world. But it's new because it's loving as Jesus loved, as I have loved you. Don Carlson said, It's a new commandment presenting as the marching order for the newly gathering messianic community. And it was a commandment that made them utterly distinctive. In in those days, if you were the follower of a rabbi, there were certain distinctives that singled you out. And so if you were a Pharisee, that meant that you wore certain things and you were kind of picky. You had rules and regulations. I've talked about this before here in Kingsgate. The Pharisees had rules about whether you could pray while you're up a tree. They had rules about whether you were unclean if you'd been touched by a mouse. They had a rule that said that if a bird flew under your robe on the Sabbath, you had to keep it there all day. You can imagine Moishi in the synagogue. Like, What's the matter, Moishi? It's okay, I've got a sparrow in my shorts, you know. 
So there were these distinctives. If you were a follower of John the Baptist, it was fasting. If you were in a scene, part of the Dead Sea community, it was ritual bathing. And Jesus is saying, now here's, my, here's the marker of my crowd. It's love. It's love. Andy Stanley says it was head-turning, jaw-dropping. Never would have imagined that we would see those people together association. Loving others, particularly who are not like us. Are we doing that? Recently, Kay and I were at a social event. A band was playing. We decided to dance. Not a pretty sight. Coordination is not one of my gifts. Some people were thinking about calling St. John's Ambulance. And then I noticed this older lady dancing with a very young lady. And, and it was pretty snappy music. And the older lady was showing deep humility because she didn't know how to dance. And so, with great intensity, she followed the moves of the younger lady. When the young lady went like this, she went like this. And she's trying to put her feet in the steps. It was really rather beautiful to watch. They're never going to make it on Strictly. But it was really rather beautiful seeing young and old dancing together. I thought, how lovely, she's dancing with granny. Then I realized as the dance came to an end that they were complete strangers. They'd never met before, but just decided to dance together. And that's the glory of the loving one another community that is the church. There are people gathered here, people gathered in the venues where this is being watched. And in normal circumstances, you would never find each other. But we have gathered together beneath the shadow of the cross of Jesus. And now young and old and rich and poor and every different race and tribe and tongue can come together as the family of God. Love one another. Yancey, Philip Yancey traveled the world asking people, what one word do you most associate with Christianity? He said, never did one person ever say love. Has love been a casualty in some of our relationships? Secondly, loving one another, it's a call to responsibility. It's a call to responsibility. An unusual verse in Romans 13. Paul says to the Roman Christians, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves has fulfilled the law. Oregon put it long ago, he said, the debt of charity is permanent and we are never quit of it for we must pay it daily and yet always owe it. This is not about paying for your salvation. It is about realizing that there is a sense in which love is an obligation, a responsibility and not just an inclination. It's the way God wants us to do it. Can I put it as strongly as this? The Bible doesn't just see loving as a gift, but as a debt. Not something that we might do, but something that we must do. It is an act of obedience. Ever had one of those days where everything goes wrong? I, I had most of my days are like that. And I begin every day by losing things. That's part of my daily pattern. I lose my keys. I lose my wallet. I lose my phone. I ask Kay, where's my, where's my keys? 
And she always responds with the same helpful response. Where did you last see them? This is very helpful insight. And she's bought me now these tile things. Have you seen these tile things? You can attach a tile to your keys or your wallet. And it's got a Wi-Fi signal or something. And you can phone your keys. Which is what I do. It really works great unless I lose my phone. I mean, the tile thing is an improvement. I used to have one of those clapping things. You know those clapping things where you'd walk around the house clapping? And the keys would beep, but Kay thought I was having a charismatic experience, and so that got rather confusing. So I lost my stuff, and I'm racing to get out of the house. I'm late to get to the office, and uh, my car is parked next to Kay's car, and I reverse back, and I hit her car. And as I hit her car, I inch forward, I reverse back, and then I hit the garage on the left side. It's two-for-one special. And as I... As I hit the car, the second time, I I yelled something like, oh, praise the Lord. (laughs) Something like that. And then the next day, I put my cell phone on the floor where I could see it, where I know I wouldn't lose it. And then I stepped on it. (laughs) And I I yelled something else like, oh, Hosanna. (laughs) You see, take, take a look at that picture of me, you know, Bang, go forward, bang. I mean, a two for one special. Some people go through life like that, just bruising and battering and words and attitudes. And Paul is saying, and Jesus is saying, no, love, it's not just something you feel like doing. When I get my mortgage statement through, I don't say, "Mm, shall I pay it? Because if I do that, I'm going to see a relocation of my furniture. (laughs) Jesus modeled that. Jesus has got Judas sitting there who would betray him. He's got Peter who tried to get in the way of the cross. He's got the sons of thunder who tried to call down judgment from heaven. He's got Matthew. I always think of Danny DeVito sitting up a tree, that tax collector. All kinds of sins and Jesus is saying, love, this is not a feeling. And sometimes it's difficult. I'm going to come on to that. Mother Teresa prayed a prayer and the difficult work she did. Dearest Lord, may I see you today and every day in the person of your sick and whilst nursing them minister unto you. Though you hide yourself behind the unattractive disguised of the irritable, the exacting, the unreasonable, may I still recognize you and say, Jesus, my patient How sweet it is to serve you. It's choices. Choices in church life to go deeper in our relationships, to be vulnerable, to share ourselves. Have we, challenge coming again, have we surrendered ourselves to the notion that because we don't feel it, we can't do it? Love is an act of obedience. Thirdly, thirdly, love one another. It's a call to endurance and humility. A call to endurance and humility. Be completely humble and gentle, Paul says. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, says Hebrews 13.1. Romans 12, be devoted to one another in love. Humility. 
It's not easy, is it? It doesn't come naturally. Don King, the boxing promoter, said, I never cease to, to amaze my own self, and I say that humbly. Winston Churchill famously said, we are all worms, but I do believe that I am a glowworm. <laughs> if you are going to flourish in church life, humility will be needed. And of course, as my friend Darry Northrup says, you only find out if you're a servant by the way that you act when people treat you like one. Jesus served before he taught this. He acted as a very humble servant. It was radical. The Greeks despised the idea of humility. And humility is not some self-deprecation where you can't take any encouragement. That's false humility that Paul speaks about in Colossians. But rather a humble attitude in local church life. Listen, Kingsgate, if you hang out here for long, someone's going to irritate you. If you haven't been irritated yet, and you've been around for more than a few months, you're probably clinically dead. <laughs> Take your pulse. Why? Because this place is filled with in-the-process human beings. We haven't arrived yet. We are people with lofty kingdom ideals, but we're still traveling. We, we mess it up. We make mistakes. We say stupid things. I've been around Christians for a long time. I've, I could write an entire book on the stupid things that have been said to me by thoughtless Christians. The lady who came up and said, hello, she said, have you ever had a stroke? I said, why do you ask? She said, when you smile, only one side of your face goes up. <laughs> now stop looking at me now. Some of you are going, oh yeah, I wonder. <laughs> and please forgive me, I'm not making light of the tragedy that can come to some who suffer a stroke. My father did that and was robbed of his speech in the closing years of his life. But what a ridiculous thing to say. Or the person that comes up and says, I, I, I need to ask for your forgiveness. Oh, really? Yes, what, what, what do I need to forgive? Well, I, well, I've hated you for the last 20 years. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. I was feeling pretty good. I've been in meetings where they've done that horrible thing where you have to go to someone if you need to confess that you don't like them. And there's that poor soul with a line. And I want to buy them one of those machines from Sainsbury's where you, you just take a number, 42. Well, I've hated you as well. We'll go away forever. Christians, being a follower of Jesus doesn't guarantee that you're not stupid or thoughtless or clumsy. But we are being called to humility here. It's hard, but it's our calling. Is there an area, a relationship where that needs to be expressed? The lady came up to me one time. She said, I don't suffer fools gladly. I'm not sure why she was saying that to me. I think I can guess. I said, really? She said, no, I don't. I said, well, it's a good thing Jesus does, isn't it? Because he's got me on board. And for that matter, you too. 
That went well. <laughs> Number four, love one another and don't try to change the conversation. Love one another and don't try to change the conversation. Look at what happens here. Verse 36, Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? Now, I want you to see this because eagle-eyed commentators have picked this up. Jesus previously was talking about him going away, but then he moves into the new commandment discourse. He's moved away from that and said, okay, I'm going, um, but now I want you to hear this new commandment. And it's like Peter brushes the new commandment stuff and says, where are you going? Jesus wants to talk about love and Peter wants to get back to eschatology. As Kay and I travel around, and we've done millions of miles now in ministry, probably four million miles. That's why I look like I do. I'm only 24. We've met lots of lovely people. But here's what we found out. We found out there are very few people who are interested in us. They meet you at the airport and they say, how was the flight? You say, it's good, we landed. They say, how was the food on the plane? I said, lovingly prepared by a demonized chef, but we ate it. <laughs> so we go, how's the flight? How's the food? And then it's normally them. It's all about them. You met people like that. And they say, enough about me. I've been talking about me. Now, what do you think about me? I may say so without embarrassing anybody. Thank you for not being like that, Dave and Karen. Because when we come here, we don't just feel welcomed in this context, but welcomed and cared for by you. Giving of ourselves to the other's interests. When I arrived here 40 years ago, Kay and I went off on honeymoon. When we came back, we went into our little house in Breton. And there was a note there, and it said, Pastor Jeff, been holding back up until now to give you a chance to get your feet under the table, but just want you to know that we're here to do whatever you need us to do. Just remembering that note earlier, this bloke called Tony Goddard wrote it. These moments of love and kindness make a difference but Peter tried to change the conversation where are you where are you going is it possible that God is saying I want you whether you feel it or not to bring repair to bring commitment and you're saying yeah but I don't feel like it or later or can we talk about eschatology or something else interesting I'll wrap this up in a moment, but on the, way, on the way up here yesterday, driving along, my air conditioning in the car broken down. Praise the Lord. I had this strong challenge that I felt I needed to bring here today. I want to give you this picture. It's a picture of a house. If your life was a house, would church be an extension like a conservatory? 
Or would local church be a foundation? You say, Jeff, has somebody asked you to say that because we, you know, we need some more volunteers and a bit more. No, 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 no one's asked me to say that except me prayerfully feeling like that's the challenge I need to bring. Is local church community an add-on, a conservatory, an extension, or is it intrinsically foundational in our lives? We see it all the time in America with parents who drop their kids off for church and then go home. And then they wonder when their kids get old enough why their kids make the choices that they do. Because in that family, church was a conservatory, an add-on, and not a foundation. And maybe we're trying to change the conversation. And God says it's time to make a shift. Augustine many years ago said of the church we are heirs of the New Testament and we are singers of the new song and this song my brothers and sisters is the song of love I close for the third time with Brennan Manning's statement from his great book The Signature of Jesus it's talking about loving one another He says, a handful of us could be ignored by society. But hundreds, thousands, millions of such servants would overwhelm the world. Christians filled with the authenticity, commitment, and generosity of Jesus would be the most spectacular sign in the history of the human race. The call of Jesus is revolutionary. If we implemented it, we would change the world in a few months. Don't say, as our world hurtles on in chaos, there's nothing we can do. But rather, as we know we're better together, beloved, loved of God, let us love one another. Let's pray. How marvelous, how wonderful is your love for us, Father. It is the most basic beginning statement of Christianity, for God so loved. And yet sometimes so hard for us to understand and even begin to grasp some of it. How deep, how wide is your love? May we each of us know that you see us, that you saw us, that you loved us, that you love us, and that you will forever love us. Teach us, we pray how to pass that majestic love around. We agree together in Jesus' name. Amen.